everybody. Welcome back to another edition of the College Football Uncensored Podcast. I'm your host, Tyler Huck, and with me, as always, Chris Marler. Chris, it's it's been a very uninteresting week. Not a lot going on. You know, somebody, I was on the phone with somebody last night, and and like I don't remember what happened even the first or earlier in the week, but I feel like twice this week, at the end of the day or towards the end of the day, media days, it, like something happened. I was like, oh, damn it. Like, like now the day is not going to end. And I was talking to my buddy Graham Coffey last night, who's actually one of the guys that helped kind of break some of the insight to the Texas, uh, Oklahoma stuff. Um, and he's like, yeah, man, give me a call later. I'm, I'm going to be up. I'm still buzzing. And I was like, from what? And he was like, just exciting, man. All this stuff's happening. I was like, fuck you, Graham. I am so tired right now. <laughs> yeah, so um, we felt it necessary to um, interrupt your week, talk about a few things that are happening in and amongst the SEC. Yeah. Um, that's big good. Stuff. I like the way you phrased that. Yeah, yeah. So, like, if you haven't heard. Um, so let me ask you this. I think people have heard. No, no, no. They, well, because I think, hold on, let me check that Facebook group real quick. Yes, another person has posted it three seconds after somebody else did. <laughs> okay, yeah. So uh, rumors abound. Oklahoma and Texas reached out to the SEC to basically ask if they could come over, hang out for a while, maybe yeah. stay. Mom said it's okay if you said it's okay. Uh, uh, what was So yeah. what was your first reaction when this, like, when I this I was first like, came across Twitter? What did you think? Are you fucking kidding me? Because, because <laughs> again, it was mainly due with the day, but but it was one of those things where I was like, this is so stupid. Like, this is so stupid that we're even talking about this because there's no way it's real. And like, anytime you deal with Texas, they are constantly out, like, you know, they're very self-serving, looking out for themselves. They've pretty much like kind of run roughshod over everyone else in that entire conference. It's one of the reasons A&M and Mizzou left. So to have those two fan bases or those two programs say they had reached out, my immediate reaction was like, that's so fucking stupid. And then I started like being an adult and doing my job and thinking, I was like, oh no, like they wouldn't have said this if it was, if there wasn't some kind of truth behind it. And even though it's phrased that they reached out to the SEC, it's not like they like, would they miss that call? No. And then, then all the stuff started unfolding because it was like, I just assumed that Texas was going to do what they always do, and they were going to leverage something into a bigger deal for themselves. Like, yeah, maybe Oklahoma goes to the SEC, and they replace Oklahoma with, I don't know, like the adult league team that was on the 2005 USC National Championship team they beat. Just to really the glory days. So when this first came across i just thought there's been conference realignment rumors for years every year i feel like there's some sort of rumor so i just kind of died down i thought but the fact that like sankey and people from the big 12 were coming out and not denying it makes That's me think that this is like real far down the road and gonna so happen. yeah as it's happening i was like oh my god because like because then then you start hearing like okay well they they asked sankey and my buddy Chris Gordy, like, you know, hats off to him. He's on Radio Row. And he's like, I, I think I'm the only one that has this. I got a video of somebody asking Sankey. And he was like, uh, we're going to talk about stuff that's going to happen this year. It's like, what? And so then, like, then you look at, I guess, like, the next response is Oklahoma State immediately, like, fires off, like, a press release. Mm -hmm. uh, oh, how yeah. disappointed they were on their rival. Um, 
and again, I just thought it wasn't something that was like, I don't know, that doable. And we've had so much fucking change. I was like an old man. We've had so much fucking change this offseason. If this happens, it changes college football completely. The, oh, it's dramatic. Well, what, where, the, the, is the Big 12 even a thing anymore? What team outside of those two teams would carry the Big 12? You can't. It's it's going to set off a domino effect. Oklahoma's won the last six Big 12 championships. In tech, in tech, the only other team to have success, like Oklahoma State, they're around. Baylor and Baylor and TCU, like, Re- sure. I mean, <laughs> they had a thing once. Yeah, twenty fourteen. Yeah. <laughs> uh, maybe I'm just thinking about the Chip and Joe thing. No, like you're right. But okay, so like when this when this all started happening again, and I was like talking to people that were like involved with it, and I was like, "Well, that's kind of fucked up, dude. Why didn't you tell me about it?" Because now it's just caught me off guard. And so we're sitting there talking. It's like, yeah, you know, there's obviously like, there's there's definitely smoke um, and a little bit of fire. Like, and this would not have been announced if there wasn't some reason. Because also the other part of this was, as soon as it was announced, Jimbo Fisher was walking on the stage, and I just thought it was like a just a double birds fuck you to Jimbo from Texas. And and when they brought it up, they said that um, what was the next thing about it? like what when they had reached out they they uh they immediately brought up the contracts and was like oh they wouldn't be talking about contracts if it wasn't something that could be like feasible and like possibly happening but again i just kind of assumed that there's what like the next conversation was like well we they want to be at the forefront of having a super conference guys it's already a fucking super conference i like it's 14 teams they win everything they they're the only only uh, conference to ever get two teams in the national championship game twice. Yeah, it's already a super conference. I so first of all, the last team that wants this to happen is Texas A and M. Yeah, they the reason they left the Big Twelve was they could finally say, for the first time in probably the history of the two schools and their rivalry, say, hey, we now are in a superior conference. Right, and we can kind of be the superior team in the state. If Texas joins the SEC, that just that ruins that for them. For pretty See, much, look, this this would be like if if we brought someone like I don't know, like somebody I had burned a bridge with or something like that, like in the past, like like an ex or whatever, and brought them on the podcast. And it was like, hey, you're gonna be like, what? No, we moved on from this. Yeah, right. You know, like so. I, yeah, but like, but again, I felt like I was talking to somebody that was like like hopped up on cocaine when they were going through like why it's all happening because it was like well they got to do it dude because they got the 12 team playoff and if they do this they're gonna get four or five teams in every year i'm like well okay but like do we know that we're gonna definitely do the 12 team playoff again other teams are gonna do this because this is gonna ruin other conferences yeah like for sure. unless they also have super conferences and so i totally understand being at the at the front of it and and you know being the first ones to do it and greg sankey's a fantastic commissioner does a great job that being said, it, it it felt like when they announced it yesterday, especially with the people involved, that there was this very kind of gross, this is strictly for money and, and like making the pockets fatter of the universities, the conference, the people that already have money and they're involved in the conference. And I just, I don't know, I don't know if it was a negative Nancy, but it just, I feel like this is going to once again, hurt the fan. Well, it's, if you're not a fan to me and like even other teams in the sec like 
a South Carolina or a Kentucky. Thank you. But like, if you're not a fan of like one of the top two, if you're not a fan of Alabama, Georgia, and like maybe LSU, you hate this. Right. Because if you're in the SEC, it's just two more powers. And Texas, you know, I know they've been down for their standards, but they have the <laughs> ability to become one of the top programs in the nation at any time. Do you want to play Texas every year? Bottom line. Do you want right. do you want that on exactly. your schedule? No. So. so, and then every other conference, you know, one of the my big complaints about what's happened to college football, and I hate to be on a college football podcast bitching about college football, but yeah, what I've hated is the parody has basically gone away already. Right. Which is kind of what caused this, though. And uh, but it's it's further driving out other conferences to even have a chance, in my right. opinion, um, because the because of the money. And when you realize that the current television contract for the Big Twelve ends in twenty twenty four, and people are saying basically there's no chance that Texas and Oklahoma would sit that long in the conference knowing they're leaving, so the Big Twelve rules say that. If a school ha- wants to leave, the buyout is two years of television revenue, which equates to $150 million. Oh, I didn't know that. that. That would have to be paid to the Big 12 just to get out of the conference early. In, okay, so they won't get out early then. Well, they probably will. They're not going to sit. The, the contract ends in 2024. They're not going to sit yeah. there for three years. Well, if when, the playoff doesn't start until 2025, though, that and this is supposed to correlate with that, Maybe maybe they'll do the right thing. I don't know. It, it's you know I, I I've I've been reading this Pete Thamel article on Yahoo and fuck and that he said, guy. He said well, regardless of him, he seems to have pretty good contacts. He said oh, very yeah, highly really good at his job. Very highly unlikely that Texas and Oklahoma would want to sit through four seasons because apparently in the past it's just been a miserable experience for everyone when teams leave leagues. So yeah. He basically said it's going to be like a divorce. Expensive, nasty, complicated. Yeah. It costs a lot of money. Clearly, I I think both parties, Texas, Oklahoma, and then the SEC are, are interested. It mm-hmm. seems as though it's not a – I mean, look, I don't know what the percentage chance are, but it seems like it's getting more and more every article you read. Oh, it's going to happen. Like so, the only reason I think it might not happen, and we—I feel like we skipped over all like the the reasons why it, it happened. Um, so we'll we'll go back into that. But like, the only reason I think it wouldn't happen is if, since Oklahoma is a state university, and they would not be—they would be basically leaving, like to join another conference away from their like in-state rival. Mm-hmm. I have a hard time seeing like you know them allowing them like to do that um and the other part of it too is like this still can be voted down right like in a and m is a thousand percent going to vote it down another piece of this that i didn't realize until today and they brought it up on uh, i see this morning there hasn't been an, an athletic director from an sec school at sec media days in 11 years and a&m's ad rosh work was there yesterday when they were going to announce this so this is obviously again it's been in the works and there's like th- there's i think there's a mutual interest I'm not sure, you know, the percentage from each side, but there's a mutual interest in the SEC to court them and vice versa, right? So if we're looking at this five years from now and there's four super conferences for 64 teams and that's now the power five and the playoff is a 12-team playoff and you're, and you're being way more inclusive, blah, 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 blah. And 
you've like got out in front of this by getting two more elite blue bloods. Cause it's not just, it's not two good programs. It's oh, elite yeah. blue blood programs. And I understand yeah. we, we shit on Texas all the time. I'm going to tell you right now, like in this instant, like this season, I don't want to fucking have, like have my team have to defend a Steve Sarkeesian offense for one. Yeah. And Texas has all of the, like, like they have the ability at any moment, I would assume to rebuild that thing because they have all the resources. Like it's, it's so much money. Um, but so if you're, if you're talking about five years from now and that's the case and you see like, like a geographical split of like the, of like four super conferences and you have whatever's going to be up, up North with, uh, Ohio state, Michigan, the big 10 or whatever, if they join up with Notre Dame or parts of the ACC, I don't know. I think one part of this that's interesting is when you brought up the playoff, one of the rules they brought up about making one of the top four t- uh, seeds that got a buy was you had to win your conference. So that means that Notre Dame would theoretically never win. Like they could go undefeated all they want. They would, they would not get a buy in that playoff system. Right. There's no fucking way they were going to allow Notre Dame not to have some sort of benefit. So I, I think like that is another part of this. We're going to see down the road. Um, back to why it's happening. The financial part of it makes, I guess, a lot of sense. And it's all about TV contracts and all that kind of stuff. Um, and again, I hate to sound negative about it, but, but my thought on it is, like, I, again, I said this to our buddy Graham last night, and he, he wrote a fantastic article. Y'all go check it out um, on things dogvent.com. Graham Coffee is his name. It's on Twitter. Um, it's a really insightful article. But when I was telling him about it, like how I think this is bad for the sport, and we're so far removed from not just what we're familiar with, but like what we know how to manage in college football, mm-hmm. and what we're moving to now when I, I brought up the thing you just said about, I said, what about teams like Kentucky? Like, how do those teams survive? Like, what is what is their ceiling now? Because, you know, one of the things that I love about college football, and it's frustrating if you go 11-1 and one and, you know, go to the fucking Citrus Bowl. Um, I, I get that. But, like, the season is super precious, right? Like, you, you, you can't yeah. slip up for the most part. And, and, like, they've done a bad job of being inclusive and not having any parity. I, I totally agree with that, and they need to have more of it. But I don't think that that having super conferences where you're going to be playing Texas, Oklahoma, Georgia, like, like are they going to shift Bama over to the east and play Georgia every year at the height of those two programs where they've both been in, in decades? Probably not. Did you see the, the proposal on SEC this morning with the pods? The pod system, yeah. By the way, very interesting that the SEC network, which – uh, I don't know if you know, is owned by the SEC and ESPN, is coming yeah. up with these proposals. To me, this is probably something already in the works. It's it's a done deal, in my opinion. I think it's I think it's like honestly like a done deal. But so but I, for people that didn't see the, the pod situation, yeah, by the way, I, I wanted to quickly say because we already said, oh, you know, you add Texas, which can be a superpower at a, a moment's notice. Have I know you don't follow recruiting, but have you checked out what Oklahoma is starting to do on the recruiting trail? No, because I was talking to a buddy about this today. We just talked about how we were not going to pay attention to recruiting at all. And he like was like, <laughs> he was like, yeah, that's fine. Cause I, I mean, they've got the, the number one QB from last year. They got the number one QB for 2023. They've got two of the top three backs committed to them this year. Like their offense is stacked. And he was like, yeah, but their defense will never be good. I don't know if you saw last year, uh, they were top 10 in advanced metrics in defense. Yeah. They are a going to be a massive problem for the SEC over the next few years. Uh, 
I just like they, people always say that SEC cannibalized itself. And if you really look at the, like the numbers, like, and maybe I'm just saying this because like I'm not trying to be an asshole, but like as a Bama fan, we just have somehow always gotten through it. But like, like the 2014 season for the SEC, where you had all like you know Ole Miss, Mississippi State, Auburn. I think at one point they were all ranked in the top four. A and M. I think it was an all SEC. You know, one through four in the first playoff rankings, all that kind of stuff. Like, I, I think you're viewing this as the, like if we have that kind of year in this conference, it's it's amazing because we're going to get so many teams in the playoff, right? I just don't think that if you're a fan, one of, one of the biggest issues we have in this sport right now is fan attendance and going to games. And that again is yet another thing that's so cool about college football versus pro football is I love Mercedes-Benz Stadium. It's it's an un, it's a fucking like giant transformer, right? It's it's an incredible incredible building. These cathedrals they build in college football that, you know, see 80, 90, 100,000 people and have for decades, right? And they and they pack it out for, you know, like non-conference games and and all that kind of shit. You don't find that in any other sport. And so if you're adding more games to go to, and this is all driven by capitalism and, and like, you know, money, they're not going to lower the ticket prices. You know what I mean? Like it's, so I think you're taking away from like, I, I always bring up the 2017 Georgia team because they had that dream season of going to Notre Dame and then the Rose Bowl SEC championship and the national championship. It's a lot of fucking money. It's a lot of money. And if you're talking about adding a trip to fucking Austin or Norman or, and then an SEC championship, and then the playoff, it's just, I don't know how you keep up with that. Well, the other side of the coin is, you know, this probably eliminates playing the FCS schools, which is another issue. You know, uh, those that's how those FCS schools survive. Um, right. But you're adding more conference games, which maybe would, would generate more attendance. Um, but the proposal by SEC this morning was interesting. You know, instead of wow. having a, a West and an East, they did four 14 pods. And pot A is Florida, Georgia, Kentucky, South Carolina. I think that's pretty fairly mm-hmm. balanced. I think they're all actually pretty fairly balanced. Pod B, Bama, Auburn, Tennessee, Vandy. Sorry, Vandy. Um, yeah. <laughs> tough. Uh, pod C, You're really LSU. clinging on to that Bama-Tennessee uh, rivalry, by the way. I don't, yeah. I don't really get it at this point. LSU, Mississippi State, Ole Miss, Texas A&M, and Pod D, Arkansas, Missouri, Oklahoma, Texas. So each pod has two teams – that as of now or traditionally could be considered powers. And then you've got two weaker teams as of now. Nine-game yeah. conference schedule. You play all the teams in your pod every season, um, and then you play two games against each of the other pods, and you host every team at least once every four seasons. So that seems like a very detailed proposal from the SEC it, Network. I, I could not <laughs> figure it out. I'm glad you had to explain it. But, I mean – and there's a way to do it for sure. I, I just, again, yeah. I just feel like when we talk about the parody part of it, like fans saying they want parody, right? Like, and, and I'm not going to be a conspiracy theorist or like, you know, anti everything, but like when fans are asking for more parody and then they are given this, like, oh, you know what? Then we'll expand the playoff. Let's not like, you know, let's not assume that this is like a gift to the fans or they're doing this for the sport of college football to make this better for the sport itself. It's strictly for money. And it's like, I don't say it's like strictly a money grab, but it's like, that's the primary reason they're doing any of this because it's going to be a shit ton of money. Like, like I think right now a 12 team playoff would, would garner almost over a billion dollars in tail in television contracts. 
It's, and then also if Tennessee, or I'm sorry, if Texas and Oklahoma come in, you would have an instant increase of $10 million per year in like the, the revenue sharing in the SEC with them. And, and you're, you're talking about now also like all of the biggest brands as like a, as like a, you know, like a moneymaker, Texas is number one overall, still Bama, Georgia, I think your top three, a and huge. So again, it's great for those teams. It's great if you if you go ten and two, and I guess that's going to be the mark of success now, mm-hmm. is a nine and three season or a ten and two season, and then get into the playoffs somehow. But like, if you're a Kentucky or a South Carolina or like I shit on Mississippi State for being like a eight and four team constantly, like where is the ceiling for those teams now? And like, are we really doing them any any good? Because I don't think that we're making. I think the argument was made. That like, well, yeah, there's no chance they're getting into the playoff right now in the way it's set up. That's true. I don't think they're going to get in the playoff with the new format either because you're going to be allowing all the blue buds in. Mm-hmm. So obviously this shakes up the SEC, no doubt, and the Big 12, but it does become a domino effect at that point because I think what you're seeing at this point is the SEC trying to make the first move mm-hmm. in building super conferences. Right. And they don't want somebody else to make that move before them. So they're taking two of the probably best teams out there, you know, that make regional sense. Yeah. So, we're, so you know, the Big 12, where do they turn? They, they, you know, some people have said they pick up like Cincinnati, UCF, BYU, Boise State. Okay. Are any of these teams competing for a national championship? I mean, that, yeah, that's not bolstering the Big 12. And then. Well, you can't. But, There's no options to do that now. You'd what, have to combine teams? with the Pac-12, yeah. No, I'm, you can you can add teams, but like, what? Who are you gonna add to to make it like like? There's no other options to add it. Like they they're down to nine as of now, anyway, right? They lost Nebraska, they lost you know Mizzou, A and I I just I still have a hard time thinking that both these teams are gonna leave. I just I just have a, a feeling that somehow Florida State is gonna end up being like, you know, sacrificed and and brought up here. Um, but what yeah, you you're mean? right. I, mean, so I just have a hard. I have a hard time thinking that they're going to put Oklahoma and Texas. Like, I, like, I think what we're going to end up seeing is Texas at the last minute backs out because because I don't give a shit what Texas fans say or like this whole fake bravado and don't mess with Texas. That is a just an absolutely fragile at best fan base and and like just very very fake fake bravado and they don't want to play an SEC schedule. They flat out don't want to play an SEC schedule. I, I guarantee you. Like, if you ask a, a, a Texas fan if they're being honest with themselves, I mean, I my favorite teams in the SEC, I don't want to play an SEC schedule. Like, right. it's going to be really difficult. So I think what they're going to end up doing is Texas, as they always do, will figure out a way to, like, benefit just themselves and fuck over anyone else in the way. And then they'll hang back. And then you'll – especially because the, the shit you have going on with, like, Oklahoma, um, Oklahoma State, either Oklahoma State will end up going or they'll they'll end up – I don't know. They should just put Florida State and Clemson in. I that would be great. Um, I I don't know how Florida would feel about that or South Carolina. Not that South Carolina probably has as much pull as Florida, maybe, but um, I think that that was kind of the story when Florida State joined the ACC. There's rumors, mm-hmm. obviously, abound that Florida didn't want to send. We said eh, maybe that's not a good idea for us. But either way, that'd be great. Um, I just wonder 
if this is just the first of many moves that are about to happen. It's about, yeah. You know, if if the SEC, percent. what if it's, they say right now it's Texas and Oklahoma, but two years from now, we are going to add Florida State and Clemson. And we're going to. 18? But we're just, no, we're just going to, we're, we're just going to say we're done. We're, we're basically eliminating the Big 12. Right. What happens right. in the Pac 12? I mean, so they're going to have to consolidate like into what they're into so, one. So conference. I think the SEC is going to want that big footprint in the southeastern region, you know, right. going all throughout Oklahoma and the Big 12 and the Pac-12 and then the Big Ten. You can't have a fucking the 18, Big Ten and the ACC will have to it'll have to be like the Big Ten swoops in against Virginia, Virginia Tech, North Carolina. Like I, I it's going to something's going to have to happen that way because you can't just have the SEC get to the point where they just have all the best teams in the country. So that's right? what I'm saying. I think, it'll, I think it'll stop at 16. I think, I think there'll be something in place with it. Like they're having 16 teams. Like, like they're all going to agree on that. Um, but the other part of this too is, you know, what's weird is, is that we've I, like really, really applauded and championed like, you know, coaches like Kirby, especially Kirby smart going out and, and getting like, like at the forefront of when, you know, when, like still like neutral site games are so big and we had, we didn't hear like a lot of rumors about expanding the playoffs. And all of a sudden you see this, like, you know, land grab of, of, of like non-con games from Kirby. They're, they're scheduling Ohio state and Florida state and Oklahoma and Texas. There's a shit ton of SEC teams that already play both of these teams in the near future. So mm-hmm. I, I mean, I sat there and praised him for like how incredible a job he did with like in the foresight he had, and now I'm like, what? What are we doing, guys? It's like we're just chasing our tails. So I, I don't, I don't know. I, I just worry that like, I hate, I hate to sound like this fucking old boomer on Facebook. I just hate to think that we're gonna look up at some point and they're gonna be making a shit ton of money. Like they're gonna, they're gonna make all the money they thought they would. But the entire game that we knew of college football is completely gone. I have a bad feeling that it's headed that way i really do um i don't know if you have anything else to say about this topic but i think it's a seamless transition into something else that makes me a little bit nervous real quick i I do want to say one thing because i know when again when it first came out there was a lot of uh a lot of people that said it was not going to happen or you know blah blah just to reiterate where this is coming from i'm not going to try to pronounce this guy's name um it's like this winner no 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 we'll call him brent Sounds like a doorstop. Brent Zwinnernan. Um, he said, and this is a quote, like, because Feinbaum was kind of grilling him, like, kind of kind of under the assumption that it wasn't real or, like, mm-hmm. it wasn't as real as he was making it out to be. Because, like, I, I didn't know who the guy was, and he wasn't, like, a big part of SEC media necessarily. And he was like, yeah, okay, so what's the next steps? And he's like, well, it, you know, this has been in the works for a while, and now that it's bubbled up, it's going to start moving very, very rapidly. And, and my source, uh, he's like, who's your source? And he's like, it's a high ranking official in the, in, the, uh, in, in the NCAA. And it's a source that I've trusted for decades. He said, it's an impeccable source that he's trusted for decades. And he's like, he said that within, we could see within the next two weeks, they make the announcement that they're, they're going to be a part of the SEC. That's well, all I have to say about that. Yeah, Ross Dellinger, who, um, you know, is a college football guy for Sports Illustrated. Um, he said on the Big 12 call tonight, administrators yeah. were informed that Texas and OU have indeed explored the possibility of joining the SEC. Uh, the source described the exit as not imminent, but serious. 
the Texas Board of Regents is leading the charge. And the source said no one has any real answers why. So um, it's going to get crazy. Um, I can't wait to follow this story. You know, part of me is a little sad that this is kind of where we're headed. Yeah. Part of me is just like, man, this is just this is just college football. You know, no other yeah. that I follow is like this. You know? well, maybe so. it's maybe it's good, too, that we're like ripping off all the fucking Band-Aids at once with all this different shit, because like, I mean, yeah, I don't know if I've ever seen like a just a collective like hands in the air, wave the white flag. I, we have no fucking clue how we're going to handle this. Let's just do whatever you want. Um, because yeah. all of it's like happened really quickly. Uh, real quick, by the way, yeah. Before we get into that, the guy you brought up early in the podcast, and I said, "Fuck that guy, Pete Thamel." Since I'm also a member of the media, and I shouldn't be that unprofessional, I want to clarify why I said this because he called the entire crew of the SC Network B-list talent. Ooh. And I was not thrilled about that. So I, I apologize if Pete's not listening, if he's probably just listening to self-talk. So. If they're B-list talent, I don't want to know what he considers us. Yeah, he doesn't. Yeah, I'm, I'm sure he's not listening. <laughs> Absolutely but, not. Uh, no, so the other thing, um, you know, another situation where it seems like it kind of wasn't really thought through very well um, and could lead to bigger problems down the road uh, regarding parity in the, in the league again is the NIL. So big story comes out this week. Saban at SEC Media Days says no, Bryce Young. No, he was at a touchdown club. Oh, is that where it was? Okay. Yeah. He says that Bryce Young, former f- number one quarterback recruit, five-star, has yet to play a down in Tuscaloosa, Come on. is already making, started. quote, ungodly money, almost seven figures. So it's too much. I'll let you get into the details here, but this worries me greatly. Okay. So I, and I'm not going to defend what he's saying because it's, it's saving me like that. But when this is brought up, it was funny because it happened while Kiffin was going on stage, right? And Kiffin's genuine reaction to this was fucking incredible to watch because he was like, what? Like he was, like, I thought he was acting at first, but he was dead serious. He was like, I, I just like like later in the questioning or whatever, like three questions later, he's like, I, I'm sorry, I'm still not even over what just I can't get over that number. Almost a million dollars. He hasn't started a game. So, <laughs> yeah. you know, I think like it's 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 gonna be tough because I think it's hard for us to to um validate a reason as to why a kid who has not started a game at a major university would be worth that amount of money. Um, and this is a slippery slope that we could get, you know, on a road we could go down with, with all this, but Kiffin brought this up and he was saying, he's like, yeah, crazy how that was the timing of it, that he brought that up today. Cause there's nothing that like Saban does, especially with like recruiting pitches or he's, he's talking like a touchdown club in like Houston or whatever that is, is not calculated. Right. Like he, he, right. he rarely like gets caught on a hot mic or says something he shouldn't have said, says Marie Taylor. So one of the things about this NIL stuff is they don't have to report any of this shit to us. They got to pay taxes on it, but we don't know how much they're making. Like we don't, we don't see the contracts. Right. And so like, this just is another layer, I think in my opinion of how this could be used effectively to cheat 
and and the things that we've like they've done in the past where they're just handing out bags of money and shit. Now they can be like, dude, Bryce Young, Bryce Young's almost making a million dollars. Like that's I'm that's so not believable, right? Like it's like <laughs> it just seems like he would be saying that to the best state in the country to recruit in and be like, if you're a quarterback, if you're a five star, I have a kid that hasn't even started a game yet getting a million dollars. Well, that 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 leads to my point. That this is another notching the old belt. I'll I'll quote Vince Vaughn here for the elite schools. Because yeah. the elite schools are the only schools that can do something like this. And do you think that Boise State is going to be out here able to drop a million dollars on the quarterback? And and when I say it's the school, I know it's boosters, right? But well, we don't know who we don't know who it is. We haven't seen any of that. Sure, sure. I, well, I I'm sorry, but I'm like, <laughs> I, I think he made up that number. I think he's probably making a lot of money. I doubt yeah. that Bryce Young, a 19 year old kid, is getting a million dollars for like. If, if you're giving this kid a million dollars, you're a fucking idiot. Yeah. All right, so I just think that this gives another advantage to elite schools that have mm-hmm. a lot of money, and this leads back to you bring Oklahoma, Texas into the SEC. It's just more money for all yes. the schools in that conference. I just feel like parity is kind of getting away from us a bit. Um, That's fair. Here's the other thing. I had this idea today. I really don't think it's a good idea. I'm not saying he's not worth a million dollars and you can't pay him that, but maybe can we defer like some of it till he's not in school anymore? Because I really see an issue cropping up with a guy who's making a million and it, it could be either way, right? It could be you pay this kid a million dollars and you got a kid walking around Tuscaloosa. He's a student like everybody else, except he's driving whatever he's driving. You know, right. it could be a hundred thousand dollar car if he wants. I would be and, the biggest asshole in the world. And I probably would too. And and I won't even use Bryce Young because I don't know what his uh, style is like or anything like that. But like, take a guy like Deion Sanders if you want to go back that far. He already was doing that. that. He already was doing that. Oh, yeah. No. Right. yeah. Coach Prime, my bad. Um, yes. You At some point when you walk into that locker room and you look around and you're starting O-line, even in Bama's case, maybe the rumors are true they're going to be making some sort of basically salary oh, yeah. here like Miami, but they're making 30 grand and you're making a million. What's that locker room like a in that moment, but B when Bryce young throws three picks. Yeah. And that's coming back in the locker room and they're like, Hey, million dollar boy. Right. Where are we at here? That's a you're making a million insult, bucks. Yeah. You like, know, so, like it's just, and they're all 18 to 20 year old kids. And, and like, right. I, I hate to, it's it's like so unfair to like prevent them from making that amount of money or having right. access to it because it's theirs and we're, we're like exactly Kiffin, Kiffin summed it up very nonchalantly and, and perfectly and he was like yeah it's great that they're able to make money like the rest of the way this country works like everyone else in this country yep that being said like i i definitely think that that will be an issue i we don't know how you're going to manage that yet that that is a it's been brought up a lot now but i think that's a layer of of like an added layer of difficulty to a, a coach's job that is, I don't know how you manage that because like what we're talking about right now is, is based off of is like why this is so like salivating and enticing and the good story. It's because it's money. And it's a 19 year old kid who has a lot of money. He has a lot more money than you and I have. Yeah. Especially me. So like, you know, for whatever reason, 
for a lot of people, money is a driving factor in insecurities and jealousy and whatever. And like in almost every business there is, you know, if you know what somebody else is making, like if the petty side of you comes out of like, well, I should be making this, like I do this and that, but like, that's like human nature for some disturbing reason, and especially when money's involved. So, you know, like it, it used to be like, I know with baseball, you have 11.7 scholarships, at least in football, everyone's on the same scholarship. Right. right. Um, are we going to start seeing like, like walk on, walk on like scholarship videos now where they're like, get all excited. He's like, you're not getting a fucking deal though. Like, you can have free well, tuition, but you're going to be so broke. So this is why, cause I agree with you and I don't want to sound like a guy that's like these, we shouldn't be paying these players. Cause right. I think they should make what they can make on the open market. So my idea is you cap every single person in the NCAA football, whatever sport, maybe you adjust, maybe you adjust per sport based on revenue they bring in. I don't know. I mean, obviously this is a very complicated issue that what they can make while they're in school. But if Bryce Young makes a million dollars and everyone's capped at 30 grand a year, he makes 30 grand like the rest of them, but he knows that he's got 970,000 waiting for him the day he graduates. I think that, I think that takes out a lot of issues. I really yeah, do. Yeah, what you're saying is like a very parental, smart, and you're, I mean, you're a financial advisor. That's a smart thing. But you know Allegedly. that the Allegedly. whole reason we're here, the whole reason we're here with this is that like, we wanted to treat these athletes as people and pay them what they're worth. So we right, can't, right. this is the, the problem the NCAA is going to have is you can't automatically go back and be like, okay, by the way, you yeah. can make whatever, but you don't have access to it. And again, all mm -hmm. the, the way like the laws are written in each state, so that it varies everywhere. It, I mean, it's kind of a mess, but it's also something that like, I, I mean, I don't know. I, I just, I think that it, there's no way he's really making a million dollars. I just have a very hard time believing that. You know what I mean? Like that, that's way uh, yeah, too I mean, much money. So what was, uh, you've got some notes in here. What What yeah. is this influencer app? What is, what is going on? So this was at, uh, on Feinbaum today and I didn't catch the guy's name because I'm not good at that part of my job. And he was, uh, I think the director of this influencer app. And so they work directly with college kids um, and athletes to try to like partner them with brands and help them get deals and shit like that. So one of the things that they include uh, with like their service, whatever is you put in every deal that you get, like whether it's like a free meal, blah, blah, blah. Like that way you can keep up with like what you've made for one, then also understanding your value and how to grow it and, and all that kind of stuff. So okay. they're trying to teach these kids how to build their own brand in like a responsible way. Mm -hmm. And so they said, because of course the only thing we've heard about like two weeks ago is it was Dear King, the 20,000, then it was Kayvon Thibodeau the hundred or the six figures and then Bryce Young because we're attracted to big round yeah. numbers and dollar signs. Yeah. He brought up the point. He said, we've had over a thousand student athletes submit like, like payments or like that they've received, right? Um, already since NIL started. Of those, there's been, I think like around 2000 total payments for the thousand uh, people that entered them. So most of the athletes have had multiple uh, deals so far. But the average deal has been under $100. And he said a lot of it is like meals or, you know, gas or, or whatever. And so it's not, or there are going to be Bryce of, Young things. Or lack of energy shout outs to podcasts. <laughs> it's true. <laughs> but it's like, so I think that 
the the stuff with the Bryce Young, like you're you're gonna have guys that think they're worth way more than they are, but you're also gonna see like the Buddy Garrity type shit from like Friday Night Lights, and, and we've seen it for so long. Where like let's talk about let's talk about Cam Akers. I, I told you the story. Cam Akers, his handler, the what I was told by pretty good sources was that they asked him what the price was going to be. And he said a million dollars <laughs> when they weren't even allowed to cheat. And uh, he was like, uh, we're good on that. We're going to pass a, yeah. like a million, a million dollars. So, but then you also, that kid ended up somewhere, right? I'm not saying they paid a million dollars, but yeah. you're going to have places that pay kids this amount of money because a lot of what's driving us from it's the booster standpoint is their own fucking ego. Yeah, Absolutely. It's fascinating to watch. Um, I hope it doesn't go down a dark and sinister path. Um, but we are in undoubtedly in uh, new territory. And yeah. within the next couple of years, is going to be even newer. Not like the old days. That's for sure. But, hey, every good sport. That's why balance. we wear all white New Balances. Get yourself a pair today. <laughs> all right. Do, we want, do I need to do my um, not drunk history, but sober history? Or do you want to talk about the Olympics? Oh, I'm going to talk about the Olympics either way. But I want you to talk about Bobby Bowden because it's sad news okay. in the college football yeah. world. Obviously. So uh, I wanted to take a moment, Chris. Thank you for giving me the time. This one, this one's tough. Uh, this is like losing a, a grandparent, it feels like. It sucks, man. Um, you know, uh, the Bowden family came out, basically said this week that uh, Bobby, Coach Bobby Bowden, is – you know, he was diagnosed with a terminal illness today. It was clarified pancreatic cancer. Uh, so he is on his last few weeks, months, we months. Don't really know. Yeah. Um, look, I mean, as a, as a Florida state fan growing up, I mean, it's crazy, right? Th you don't see this kind of thing anymore. Realize no. that my mom went to school at Florida state. She got there in 1977. Bobby Bowden was the head coach at Florida state. I went there in 2004. Bobby Bowden was the head coach at Florida state. He was there when she started. He was there when I left. Yeah. You don't see that anymore. It's crazy. Florida State basically is Bobby Bowden. I mean, we were in all women's school. He's like school. the Bill Snyder of Florida State. <laughs> yeah. We were in all women's school until 1947. Right. So we barely had a football team before he got there, and we were terrible before he got there. Yeah. He he got there in 76. We were coming off of, in the three-year period, 4-29 and 29 was the record. That's bad. That that he kept first his year, job? That for he that was before he got there. Oh, okay, okay. Got there in nineteen seventy six. That was his only losing year in the history of his coaching tenure at Florida State. His first year. He they were already at nine and two by his second. Um if you go back a little bit, um, just to show a little bit about his character, he was the head coach at West Virginia when the Marshall plane went down. And that's a big rivalry up there, West Virginia and Marshall. And he basically Crazy fun fact. Um, so Bowden said years later when they were making the We Are Marshall movie that he actually was the original candidate to be the Marshall head coach. Yeah. And he almost took the job and he didn't. He didn't move. The guy that took the, the job, uh, unfortunately, did not make yeah. it. Um, but look, he was, he was 34 years a coach at Florida State. Only one losing season. He declined head coaching offers from Auburn, Alabama, LSU, and the Falcons during that span. Um, the story about Alabama, I'm not sure how much you know about it, but... I heard about it last week for the first time. <laughs> in 1986, so Bama just fired Ray Perkins. Fucking Ray okay? Perkins. The same day 
they did that. Bobby Bowden was playing in Birmingham yeah. in a bowl with Florida State. And even at the time, he was asked, because everyone knew he was the front runner for the Bama job. He had always said it's the job he always wanted. Right. He's from, him, you know, from Birmingham, right? Uh, yeah. And they said, so if your name came up for the job, would you take it? And he said, in an instant, <laughs> to the media, ask the Florida State head coach. <laughs> um, they interviewed him. And he said, you know, basically he was, he left without an offer. He was very disappointed. Bam ended up hiring Bill Curry. Same day. they Don't say it him. like that. That's my fucking neighbor. Like I wrote a handwritten letter to my grandpa. Well, I mean, I'm not, I'm not despising the man or, or disparaging him, but I mean, probably Bowden. a yeah. lot of people thought Bowden was going to be the guy. Bill Curry from what I, and you, you probably may have recollection of this. Don't even if you slander Bill Curry, I'm, we're gonna. Fucking I, but fight I but him. I read that he was never really accepted by a lot of like the key supporters at Bama. He went. They were number two in the fucking country. He was the he was the national coach of the year. He won the Bobby Knight Coach oh, of the I Year. Know. They were ten and zero. They were number two in the country. I think he won the SEC two of the three years he was there. Couldn't beat he Auburn. Lost though? to Auburn all three times. And yeah, the third time Auburn. they lost to him in '89, they backed up a fucking U-Haul truck to his house and then threw like bricks through his windows. And he went He's to like Kentucky. the nicest guy ever. Yeah. No, Georgia um, Tech. Bowden, no, he came from Tech. He went to Kentucky, right? After uh, Bama? I think he went back to Tech. Uh, either way, he left yeah. at Bama. Bowden was offered the job, and he decided to stay in Tallahassee. The rest is history. Gene Stallings became coach. Just quickly, 14 years straight finishing the season yes. in the top four is ridiculous. Um, it's not – Bama, I don't know if they've got to be getting close – I don't know. Maybe they have. What do you mean? To, to 14 years straight finishing the top four. Do you think that they've, they've done that? No, they didn't, they didn't finish top five in, in 2019. Yeah. So, like, it, that I don't is think one it's of ever going to happen. Yeah. Two national championships, 12 ACC titles. They, they joined the ACC in 92. They won the ACC every single year until 2000. 377 wins in the record books. Really, it's 389. They vacated 12 for a bullshit reason. Yeah, because you helped that guy cheat in class. He had six kids. Three of them were high-level coaches in the NCAA. Listen to the head coaches that coached under him. Mark Rick, Chuck Amato, Tommy and Terry Bowden, Kirby Smart, Jimbo Fisher, Manny Diaz. A lot of good names. You didn't say Mickey Andrews? Well, those those guys became head coaches. Yeah. Mickey, Mickey was also loyal, always was our D coordinator. Um, you know, as a kid, I got to go to the first Bowden Bowl. Uh, I went to his last game as a, you know, in the Gator Bowl back in 2009. Um, he's not, he hasn't passed away yet, but I, I just wanted to give him a shout out because he's basically the reason that a kid from Georgia yeah. growing up, you know, around a bunch of Georgia fans, Auburn fans, you know, I had family that went there, but you know, the nineties, Florida state was the team, man. It made it very easy to get into it. And, it, um, it, it was just, uh, it's this, he's 91. Look this day, you know, he had a really good life. Um, but it's just sad to see, you know, feels like a grand. Yeah. It sucks, man. I, so I will say that I hated Florida state in the nineties. I, I could not stand them because they played what I considered. And I was like full on fan. And just being like, you know, like the worst. They, they play Wake Forest every week, blah, blah. Mm -hmm. But to show you, like, like if you guys weren't around then or didn't watch college football back then or you're too young, to give you an idea of, like, how dominant they were, it was not it, – it's it's not even what Bama's done now, right? Because, like I just said, Bama finished outside of the top five, like, two years ago, right? Right. 14 straight years in the top five. They were playing for national championships seemingly every year, 
And, 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 and like, I'm not a fan of their rival. I'm not a fan of a team that even played them like until 2007. I can tell you exactly where I was in 1995 when Tiki Barber and, and oh, Virginia yeah. Cavaliers on a Thursday night upset them in Charlottesville. I get goosebumps yep. just talking about it. Yeah. Um, but that, like, that's the, like, Florida State had that kind of effect on your boy. Cannell was the QB for that game. He did not like it when I brought it up. Um, <laughs> but yeah, it'd be like, but that's, that's the kind of like, we talk about how, you know, the band fatigue and shit like that. Now. Yeah. I, I don't know the actual numbers. I would venture to say that he, he's probably, he probably had a better record than Saban in the nineties. It, it's very possible. I mean, Saban obviously has clearly made himself uh, out to be the absolute goat of the sport be tough to top him but uh yeah man you know um it's just interesting because he turned florida state into a nothing school into i mean look when we see this all the time but when football does well in the south it elevates the entire university bobby bowden changed the trajectory of the school not just the football program and um you know it's uh it's just crazy to see you know some of the all the talent that they had back in the day um you know (sighs) the acc was weak as it is now um, but keep in mind, you know, they were playing Miami and Florida every year and Miami and Florida in the nineties were top five teams. Dude, the, so, the best, well, like Miami was up and down at times, yeah. but like late nineties, especially they were, and, and if they weren't, you're right. Florida definitely was. Yeah. And like, I, I, I think I brought this up before about Florida, Tennessee games being like the national, you know, the first three thirty game of the year on, on CBS and Peyton versus Florida, all kind of shit. I mean, like, the seasons like like the season not only like the biggest games of that season but the season was decided on those saturdays yeah like tennessee was usually out by by the third week and then you're just sitting here like waiting to watch these two teams you know just on a collision course with each other and and it was just if you know like i honestly i hated florida state but i never hated bobby bowden just because of yeah you know, like he, he's like a genuinely good guy too. And and even though he gave like, you know, he, he's part of his, uh, what do you call it? Um, his seed to, to Bobby Bowden or um, not Bobby Bowden. What do I, what do I just say? Who's the short one that I hate? Terry. Terry. Yeah. Fucking Terry. Outside of him, it's a lovely family. <laughs> uh, real quick story and then we'll move on. Um, one of my favorite, you know, the media absolutely love Bobby Bowden. You know, yeah. these days I feel like the media will just go, try to tear coaches up find anything about him but you couldn't bobby was so cordial with the media you couldn't do anything to him or you wouldn't want to so uh the the week leading up to the virginia tech championship where vic was the freshman qb sebastian janikowski got caught uh out sebastian janikowski absolute leg on him best kicker to come through also a absolute rager just party and yeah and he <laughs> the game was in new orleans and he broke curfew and so leading up to the game the the, the media asked bowden he goes so you know obviously sebastian Jankowski came out he broke team rules was out you know past curfew are you going to suspend him he goes suspend him why would i do that he's my starting kicker and everyone just laughed it off yeah, I mean, well, no, also, he, they did try to pin some stuff on him with the Free Shoes University. Like, he didn't have a great yeah. reputation as, like, you know, they weren't going there for academics and shit like that. But I, I also don't think that, like, I, I think that most of the, the, the kids or men that went there and, and were coached by him left as better people. 
Absolutely. And if you're a college football historian, I know a lot of people probably don't like Florida State, but if you're a historian, you want to see a good story, um, go watch the Bowden Dynasty. It, it, it's um, a really cool, just full documentary on him, and they got a lot of former players. And, I mean, to hear these guys talk about what Bobby Bowden meant to them as a father figure and – yeah, especially Peter Warwick, you know, I think his quote was like, he was my, he was my angel. He came into my life and saved my life, you know? Yeah. And, um, and it's just, you know, you're going to see a lot of really, you know, high level coaches. You've already seen it come out and Jimbo. a lot of high level players and give their total respect because he just commanded that just by the, the good man that he was. So well, yeah, we to talk see, about man. people like Bear Bryant all the time, like Bama fans, especially. And like, the, like the, their infatuation with Bear Bryant, even when I was like a super fan, it was uncomfortable. Like you, I would, I would go to games and see grown men take their hat off when he would like come on the jumbotron, like he's dead. Stop. (laughs) Um, But like we, you know, our generation didn't get to see that. Like Bobby Bowden was, was that. And like Joe Paterno in one, because he had the longevity and he won all, he just won a bunch. And like, I mean, it's really difficult to do what he did at a school like that. Yeah, because we don't we don't yeah. talk about a lot of coaches that, that have done that before. So anyway, uh, I'm you know sorry for your loss. Well, he's not dead yet, but <laughs> well, I'll tell you yeah. what, it's going to be dead, and that's every other country in the world's chance at winning gold medals this week. Seamless what a transition. transition! What a transition! Um, no, I want to talk about the Olympics real quick because the Olympics start tomorrow. I have yep. spent roughly between eleven to thirty eight hours of my week making this stupid graphic. Um, for SEC, uh, former SEC athletes that are in the um, 2021, I guess, 2020 games. I don't know. They're still calling it the 2020 Olympics. Regardless, the Olympics are always a big deal, I feel like. These are a little bit weird. Um, I have a lot of takes on the Olympics. I have a lot of thoughts, and I want to share okay. them with you. But I want to hear all from right. you first. Are you excited about the Olympics? Do you care at all? Um, I do. I do like the Olympics. It, it's from what I understand, there's not gonna be a lot of, if at all, any fans, which is going to really take None. away from it. Yeah. I don't, I really think it's going to take a, away from a lot of the excitement of the Olympics. Yeah. But That's fair. I mean, cause typically it, I do. I mean, it's, it's together. great. You know, you're, you'll be at work or even at home on a random Wednesday and there's like some badass water polo competition going on like it's it's a lot of fun to watch and you, yeah. you know even like the world cup i don't i'm not a big soccer guy but like when the world cup happens even though u.s is like one of the worst teams in the world um you get a lot of like that america behind you when we you have yeah. these international competitions so i do like that. yeah i agree with that i um i get super excited for the olympics i i'm a big fan and like we got to, I've told the story a thousand times about how we like got out of debt, like the week of the Olympics when I was little. Um, and so we went to fucking everything. We went to the opening oh, yeah. ceremonies. We went to, we went to handball. Cool... Yo, no joke. I'm not kidding. When I say this, my dad took me to the marathon. Do you know what, oh. do you know what that consists of? You sit in the stadium. They do one lap around the track. They leave for four hours. They leave for four hours. <laughs> and, then you, the whole... and, and then you watch them on the video board and then they come back yeah. in. It is, you know, my dad was a big runner. Like that was the worst shit I've ever been to. So dad, if you're listening. Yeah. I mean, I, I my dad got mad that I wanted to go to the opening ceremony instead of hanging out with him. So he told me to go to hell. Oh, um, so, and you were like, yeah, 10? sorry about your marathon. I was 10. Yeah. Um, sorry about your marathon. Um, no, so like, I, I love the Olympics. I love swimming because it's 
like at the very start and we're always really good at it. And that's like the most exciting close races, I feel like. Um, and it gives us a reason to usually hate France. So I didn't think about this until I saw this documentary recently though about Olympi Olympians and it's called like the price of gold or the weight of gold. And like, we, we just talk about the NIL shit for like college yeah. football players. Yeah. If you're not like a, like, I mean, one in a million type, like face brand star gold medalist in the Olympics. This is a tough thing to dedicate your life to. I didn't realize this, that, that um, who was the really Lolo Jones. Mm -hmm. Yeah. She was, she was working at like, at like a local LA fitness while training because like they don't get paid enough money yeah, unless yeah, you're in like yeah. one of the bigger sports to, to do that. And so, and there's like a, a bunch of like depression that comes with it after it, but we're not going to get into that because it's going to make us sad. And, you know, they're here to entertain us here for right now. The summer Olympics, what always, what always blows me away about this is because we, we watch sports all the time. Right. And it's like yeah. usually five generic, you know, sports, the Olympics went from being like, okay, like whatever the fuck you guys want to make up. Right. Like a bunch of obstacle courses and shit just survival skills and then to now where it's like yeah you know what we can add that have you seen all the additions they made no uh, like mountain biking is one hmm. um or it's, that's not the actual name of it but um like so you still have trampoline you have rhythmic gymnastics and um i think like aerobic gymnastics there's like ribbon dancing and and uh what do you call it um god damn it tyler um anyway like there's a lot of there's a lot of sports and events that are it blows my fucking mind that you've dedicated four years of your life to this yeah. and the winter olympics is worse to be, to be honest because that is like straight up survival skills it's like like you ever seen them do like the the um cross-country skiing with the shooting oh yeah 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 and they just go around in a circle <laughs> just they go around a circle like three times and they just lay down on the ground and just shoot a fucking red rider bb gun it's just survival skills and spandex that's all that is yeah and and like some of those events i it blows me away also do you know there's downhill skiing in the paralympics uh i i mean i assume what fucking parent like no like blind downhill blind people participate okay. that's a real thing well we have a guide i'm sure I'm just saying, if you're the parent that like okayed that, like, yeah, that's fucked up, like for real. Yeah, the, I mean, you, you got to break down barriers, bro. They, he's been a pretty big inconvenience so far. Just do whatever you want; it's fine. Um, yeah, so like, I, I don't really get into the Winter Olympics nearly as much. Um, I, I do love the Summer Olympics. I'm excited for uh, what do you call it? Um, I guess it's only two weeks long, so it's not as not as uh, long as it usually is. Wait, the Olympics only two weeks long? Yeah. Oh wow. Um, my absolute favorite thing about the Olympics is you have, you have people that really do dedicate their entire lives to like being in the best shape ever. And like, like usually in America or bigger countries where it's like, you know, kind of cutthroat and super competitive, all that kind of stuff. And then you have other countries that just need to send somebody. They just need a representative. And so I don't know if you saw like in Rio and they had this like fucking like 270 pound black guy who was a swimmer. And he was just very different looking than all of the other people that had dedicated all their life to swimming because he was the only representative of his whole country. He just like signed up. He's like, yeah, I'll take a free trip to Brazil. That sounds good. It's amazing. Love that. Love that. Yeah, I love that a lot. 
Um, anyway, that being said, the, the uncensored moment of the week has to do with the Olympics. And as yes. soon as we stopped recording on, on Sunday, I was like, damn it, we didn't talk about this. Um, so they're trying to prevent the spread of COVID. And one thing that happens at the Olympics uh, that I didn't know about until a couple of years ago when the women's soccer team went fucking buck wild, apparently it's like one giant orgy because you've had yeah. all these hot ass like athletes that have been like pent up and not have like a lot of release for four years and they are just fucking all the time. Release. <laughs> um, that's not. That's not to the edge. <laughs> That's not that's not like an exaggeration. It's like a real thing that happens. I, it just it like the Olympic Village. So I guess they, in, to prevent that, and they were worried about it. The the people in Tokyo that are putting on the whole the Olympic Committee, they put together all the beds in the Olympic Village, and they're made out of cardboard, so they can't support the weight of two people. Oh, but it, it can. That doesn't seem like a very like if you're getting like trying to you know get in the zone and like can get you please sleep. not do the the oh, okay the, the shoulders yeah no no if you're trying to get in the zone and like maybe get some good sleep before you go out and like run a marathon i feel like sleeping in a cardboard box yes it's not gonna like, help that that's the other part of it. it's like like i'll promise you i'm not gonna have sex if that like i didn't just waste four years of my life training the hardest like possible training imaginable most like, physically exhausting all that kind of shit and then i get here and I'm sleeping on a fucking U-Haul box fort that an eight-year-old made. <laughs> I would lose my mind. I would lose. Like, yeah. like that seems like. I, anyway, it's just stupid. And they're going to be having sex anyway. The first thing we saw after they, <laughs> the first athletes got there was some guy from Australia was like, it's fake news. It's fake news. And started jumping up and down on the cardboard thing, which is a weird way to have sex. <laughs> Oh, that's your uncensored moment of the week. That's the podcast for the week. I'm excited. You know, we'll see what happens with all the news that comes out over the next few days, few weeks. Sounds like college football is changing a lot. Do you think it's for the, the worse or for the better? Let us know. Yeah. Interact with us on Twitter, on Facebook. You can, if you want to go to the reviews and comments and, and like, yeah, comment let's take there. a break from that after today. <laughs> so anyways, um, we appreciate you guys listening for Chris. I'm Tyler. We're out. See you soon.